Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your daily Digest College basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. No local teams played yesterday, but things really kick into gear today. Honestly, Thursday is usually one of the best days of the college basketball season. All the big tournaments are rocking. I have Rick Broering on the show in just a minute to talk about Northern Kentucky's Horizon League Championship as well as Xavier's game tonight. Xavier will face DePaul in the quarterfinals of the Big East Tournament at 7 on FS1. If you didn't see how yesterday's game between DePaul and Seton Hall ended, go take a look. Trailing by two with less than five seconds remaining, DePaul's Emoja Gibson was fouled shooting a three. He made all three free throws to give DePaul the lead. Seton Hall's Femi Odakale went the length of the floor and got to the rim, but his shot was blocked. Initially, it was called a goaltend before it was overturned to give DePaul the win. Xavier and DePaul split the season series with each team winning their home games. Miami plays in the first round of the MAC tournament today, taking on Toledo at 11 a.m. The Red Hawks lost by three to the Rockets at Millette Hall in late January, and the Rockets responded with a convincing 18-point win in February at Toledo. Dayton faces St. Joe's at 5 tonight on the USA Network in their first game of the A-10 tournament. Dayton's path to the title game includes beating 10th-seeded St. Joe's before the winner of LaSalle and Fordham. UD beat St. Joe's by 20 on January 4th in the team's only meeting this year. Now let's get to my interview with NKU radio analyst and publisher of MusketeerReport.com, Rick Broering. Rick, thanks for joining me this afternoon doing this interview here courtside at Madison Square Garden. So hopefully there's not too much feedback as we uh, get going here. But Rick, you're Norse. They did it. They are Horizon League champions. They get it done at Indiana Farmers Coliseum. I'm leaving the floor open to you, my man. How was it? What happened? And give me the whole rundown. Well, it was an incredible experience for those guys, just seeing them celebrate after they had been so close last year to be up by 16 in that championship game last year, end up losing it. And I just remember Trayvon Faulkner being at the podium last year, bawling his eyes out. And someone asked him, you know, how do you feel in this moment? He, he couldn't even answer. He was just crying. And uh, to see that was really hard to watch. And then to see those guys last night get all the way back there, get over the hurdle and win a championship, get to go back to the big dance. I mean, that's why a guy like Trayvon Faulkner came back for his fifth year. So I would start there. That was just such a special experience to see that. And I know the outside world, I saw some comments about how it, it got ugly in the second half of that game, and there wasn't a lot of offense. There was a period where neither team was really scoring there in the second half. But I can tell you, as someone who was in the moment calling the game and there, I mean, every possession felt so tense. There was just so much parity with every single turnover or missed shot or offensive rebound. Every play felt like it was almost a turning point in the game because it was so close the whole way. And you knew that the score was going to be low. There weren't going to be a lot of possessions just because of the way the first two games went between these teams. And that's exactly how it played out. It, it was really fun to call. So at what moment, Rick, did you realize that, well, all right, thing, things are happening here. Things are trending in the right direction because, like you said, the score was close the whole way. But to me, it always felt like NKU had, I don't want to say the edge because it went back and forth, but it felt like there were points, especially in the second half, and it came down into crunch time where – and KU had control. Did you feel it the same way? 
I don't think there was ever a moment. I actually asked Darren Horn a very similar question in our post game last night. Like a lot of times there's a turning point in the game where you can look back to and say, this is when we took control. That never happened in this game that neither team really had control. NKU was just able to outlast Cleveland state and win by two points. But I do think to your point throughout the entire game, NKU's top players were playing well. They were getting good production out of Mark Wes Warwick, Sam Vincent. Chris Brandon was great defensively and on the glass. Once again, he had an excellent tournament. Trey, <clears throat> Trey Robinson was really good for NKU in this one. Trayvon Faulkner didn't score, but he was good defensively and, and just being a leader and all that type of stuff. Like You could go down the line and point to almost everyone in the box score and say, oh, he had a big play or two. He had a great game. You can say that about just about everyone. And when NKU plays that way, they get multiple guys showing up on the same night. Within this league, they're hard to beat. I've been saying it all year that when they're at their best, they're the best team in the league. They just have to play their best more consistently. And down the stretch of this season, they've found a way to do that. And how about the play of Chris Brandon, too, in this tournament? I mean, just a, an absolute monster on the boards. He gets those 17 rebounds the other night, 10, 10 offensive rebounds. But just having somebody down like that in the post, a physical presence, it's, it's just so valuable. It really is. And he's been such an important piece for this team all year. Like, if you go all the way back to the UC win, which everyone remembers locally, he was dominant in that performance in the second half around the basket. When he's playing with a high motor, he doesn't even have to score, but if he just dominates in the paint as a rebounder and really defends well within that unique two, three matchup zone style of playing that, that NKU has on the defensive end, he can really change the game. And I, I thought he was good in the championship game, but the semifinals against Youngstown state where he's going up against two big guys inside who can really rebound and score around the basket in Adrian Nelson and Malik green. He only had, I think it was eight points in that semifinal matchup, but he absolutely dominated that game just with the way he rebounded and defended. Before we move on out of this NKU segment, Rick, I just want to get your thought overall on what NKU has done with this program, right? They are a team that is consistently playing for a Horizon League championship. And now you can say consistently winning Horizon League championships. They've invested in the facilities. They've invested in the team. They have gone through coaching changes, but they are still there at the top of the league. They might not have won the league in the regular season, but they beat the regular season champion to win this tournament in the semifinals to then go to the finals and, and beat Cleveland State. All of these storylines for an NKU program that cares so much, and it is evident that they care so much. You've been around this. You've been there for this whole ride. Just take a second and walk us through what a win like this really means for the overall prospect of NKU. Paul, think about this for a second. They've been eligible to qualify for the NCAA tournament for seven years now. And in those seven years, they have won their conference championship four times. Three of those times, they'll go to the NCAA tournament. The one year, of course, was the COVID year where the tournament never happened. So they didn't actually get to play in it that year. But four out of seven times that they've been eligible for the NCAA tournament, they've won their conference championship, which is the only way as a Horizon League member to get into the big dance. The other one of those other years, they won the regular season. So they ended up playing in the NIT, even though they didn't play in, in the NCAA tournament that year. So that's five of seven years they've played in a big tournament for a mid-major program. That's special. And oh, yeah, last year, one of the other years that they missed, they had a 16 point lead in the championship game against Wright State and had another really good chance to win another championship right there. It could very well be 
six of seven years that they've gone to a postseason tournament and really made a name for themselves. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Now, the Horizon League runs through Highland Heights at this point. And now we wait until Sunday night to see where NKU ends up in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I had Rocco Miller on, a bracketologist. Highly recommend if anybody's listening to this that didn't go back and listen, talk bracketology for all the local teams. Highly recommend that. We did talk about Northern Kentucky. He mentioned that he had NKU as the top 16 seed in the field right now, which means that if there are some upsets, maybe they get bumped to the 15 line, which we have seen NKU as a 15 seed before. We'll see that as it plays out on Sunday night. But congratulations again to the Norse, Rick. That's a that's a great accomplishment, and I know you'll be there in the NCAA tournament along for the ride. Um, let's transition now to Xavier. DePaul and a shocker last night over Seton Hall, and now it's Xavier against the Blue Demons on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. DePaul gave Xavier some trouble this year. They beat the Musketeers up in Chicago, but that was one of Xavier's poorest performances of the season. How do you see this one uh, lining up, especially with a guard like Emoji Gibson? Yeah, I think that's the big thing that you look to here in this matchup with DePaul. In some regards, I think the matchup against Seton Hall was a better one for Xavier personnel-wise. DePaul is just a little bit more dynamic with Gibson at the guard spot. You got Javon Johnson at one of the forward spots. He can shoot from the outside and score a little bit, get his own. And then inside, Nick on Genda, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. He's a bit of a wild card. He's missed most of the season, but he is a talented player. He's long, he's athletic. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to give DePaul. He wasn't a, a big factor in that last game between these two te- teams, but that was one of his first games back recovering from an injury. So um, I-, I am interested to see how this plays out here in this matchup. But I think overall that second game, you saw what, it really looks like when Xavier plays well against DePaul. And I think you'll see a much more, uh, uh, a a game that's much more similar to that than the first one. Seven o'clock tonight, FS1. A Xavier program this year, Rick, that as we've talked about so much, I mean, anybody listening to this knows it's been such a struggle for Xavier uh, in the Big East tournament over the last four years, which is not something that you'd really ever been able to say before that. And now, you have Sean Miller back at the helm. Does the depth at this at this point in the season without Zach Fremantle? Now, we talked about it on our Xavier show the other night, but we haven't really talked about it here without Zach Fremantle the rest of the way. Um, how do you think maybe they use their rotations, especially if Jack Nunji gets into foul trouble? Do you expect to see anything different now in the postseason with three games in three days, potentially? Well, I don't know that you're going to see anything different than what they've been doing for the most part, but uh, I do think they're going to try to continue to limit the use of their bench as much as possible. So you're really probably only talking about uh, a seven man rotation as much as they can withstand that Desmond Claude Cesar Edwards being two of the guys off of the bench that they're going to turn to. And, you know, when Cesar Edwards comes in there at the center position, I think they have to be really careful about planning those around media timeout. So maybe you can spell Jack Nungy a little bit longer, get him a little bit extended breaks there when you bring Cesar in. It's not just for the minutes that Cesar's on the floor, but maybe you pair that with a media timeout. You can get him an extended break, let him refresh a bit, get him back into the game. 
But if he gets in foul trouble, like you're talking about, then it makes it a little bit more difficult. And I think relying on Cesar Edwards in this type of situation is what scares all Xavier fans the most. But the bright side is Cesar Edwards has started to play his best basketball of his career here over the last few games. He had six points in the, the win against Butler. And Sean Miller said after that game that he was really pleased with the way that Cesar was coming around and the way he played in that game. So we'll see how it turns out for Xavier. But I think they're okay for the most part. And they've done a good job of handling those situations to this point. But it's definitely a concern for every fan watching. They're going to be holding their breath every time a whistle is blown and Jack Nungie is anywhere near the play. Rick, congratulations again to the Norse. Thanks for taking the time this afternoon, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you here soon enough. Yeah, it was it was so much fun. I appreciate you covering NKU and having me on and doing this all year, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep it rolling for a few more games here. Absolutely. Around the country yesterday, Wake Forest knocked off Syracuse in the ACC tournament with a three just before the buzzer, and not too long after the game, it was announced that Jim Beheim will not return as head coach of the Syracuse Orange, a massive decision there after 47 seasons. Adrian Autry will replace Beheim at the helm of Syracuse. North Carolina beat Boston College by 24. Ohio State beat Wisconsin by 8. And Villanova beat Georgetown 80-48. Texas A&M Corpus Christi won the Southland title to go dancing. Colgate won the Patriot League championship by 18 points. And Montana State won the Big Sky title. There are no championship games today or Friday. But today, like I said, might be the busiest day of the college basketball season. Every tournament will have started by the end of the day today. There are so many good games, it's almost impossible to try to list them off, but there are two Big East games that you should pay attention to. UConn plays Providence at 2.30. Paul's Pick of the Day, presented by Betfred Sportsbook, lost outright with Seton Hall losing to DePaul. For one of the busiest days of the year, I'll take Illinois Moneyline against Penn State. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Thursday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.